When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to your latest Royal Blue Podcast and a very special Royal Blue Podcast at that. I'm your host Sam Carroll and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Paul Wheelock as we discuss the breaking news of last night, which was, as far as I'm aware, Tuesday night, when Andre Gomez finally completed his move to Everton at around quarter to nine. Uh, the club teased it a little bit with, with an earlier announcement of, of Gomez and then minutes later it was confirmed and Andre Gomez is back. Dave, how did you find out that Andre Gomez was a was a blue? Um, I was sat in the car and I got a phone call from somebody that I know at Everton Football Club that told us to be aware of an announcement that was imminent. Um, uh, we work very closely with Everton as, you know, so people, you know, so outside uh, these walls, you know, so may appreciate and the very, very complex, um, the way, you know, so media organisations work now, obviously we're a digitally facing uh, news network, but we still have, you know, so the print edition, you know, so Liverpool Echo. Uh, and Everson Football Club still place, uh, place great store and, uh, you know, the old fashioned, if, if you like, you know, so newspaper. Um, they were keen to get, you know, so good headlines in the, the newspaper. So... They tipped us off, you know, so they let us know in advance that, you know, so an announcement would be coming uh, to, you know, so can we preserve some space for it? Um, and, you know, we obviously, we kept that trust. Uh, we, we knew something was imminent, but nothing came out on our social media networks until Everton were happy that the deal was signed, it was completed, uh, all the paperwork was in place. And uh, we were then able to, you know, so get it out on our own sites uh, at the same time as Everton and make sure that it got a good splash in the paper, which it did, because it's a very, very popular signing. Uh, a lot of Evertonians have been, you know, sort of hanging on this one. And you might notice that the four guys sat around this room are all big Andre Gomez fans. Who's missing? Gavin Buckland and they say staying noticeably quiet on social media so no, to be fair it was, it was a hastily assembled uh, podcast this one you know, so Gavin hasn't been left out deliberately uh, but, that's you know, the official line <laughs> so, no, you know, so, so I, I, was, I was sat in the car and I suddenly I could hear the, uh, the, the phone pinging when uh, the tweets were, you know, so were going out so did you give it a little fist bump and, uh, I, was, I was delighted you know, so I, I wouldn't say I ever had any qualms or any concerns that it wasn't going to be pushed over the line um, but I, I was I was just reassured and I was pleased. I just think he's a proper Everton footballer. Um, he just fits that photo fit of a player that you know, so a man of my age thinks should be playing for Everton. That man with that little bit of style, little bit of polish, little bit of elegance. You know, so a proper Everton midfielder. Um, I'm delighted it's over the line. You know, so I thought he had a very very good debut season. I'm hoping you know so he can build on that next season. And I take on board the caveats that you know so that Gavin and other journalists have put out there about his effectiveness needs to be improved in some areas I just think you know so Everton have got a very very good player on board I know you all want to discuss the transfer fee because for that it's a steal absolute steal over to you three (laughs) I'll open the floor to you Adam I mean for a fee just over 22 million I think that's just 
an absolute bargain. He, like for the player that we saw last season as well, that's an absolute bargain. And I think we're going to see a much, much improved player next season. You know, he's going to have a pre-season behind him. He's going to have experience playing in the Premier League. He's going to come here with confidence as well behind him, which he didn't have last season. You know, you know, he's described his time at Barcelona as hell at some point. So, uh, you know, he's got, he knows he's got the backing of the Everton fans when he comes here. So I think we're just going to see a much better Andre Gomez a much more well-rounded Andre Gomez next season so to get in for 22 million you know earlier in the transfer window we were thinking that Barcelona might be wanting 25 to 30 million and to be honest if it was 30 million I'd have thought yeah that's a that's a decent that's a decent price for him but you know all credit to Marcel Brands and you know everybody who was involved in that deal on the Everton side of things so you know yet again go into these sort of negotiations with you know a top club like Barcelona and stand firm and say well look no we we want to pay this price and we're not going to go over the top for it and I think credit to Gomez as well in this sort of situation as well you know it would have been easy for him to you know be looking for maybe a move down to London you know Spurs were touted West Ham were touted you know he might have got more money if he'd have gone uh, to one of those clubs but you know you've seen him come out yesterday when he got announced and he said oh it was an easy decision you know the fans love me I love playing for Everton uh, so yeah it's really good to see a player with that sort of attitude and you know it's just the continuation of what we saw last summer from Everton really you know getting players in who are of course the right age and who have the quality to improve the squad but have that right attitude as well and I think that's what is really going to push the club forward uh, in the future I think what I loved last night as well about uh, you know, the immediate aftermath of the announcements was Andre Gomez's own tweets mm. now I genuinely don't know whether he does his own social media accounts or whether it's managed for him but you know whoever it is is very cute because the first, the first tweet I'm here to stay lads and then uh, the one that he you know clearly did himself you know so a, a big thank you to Barcelona for the opportunity to play for them again a very classy gesture uh, from a very classy guy so th- that was quite cute uh, I enjoyed that and equally you know so the fact that it was such um, a modest transfer fee because very often in these circumstances you find you know transfer fee undisclosed and you know you have to try and guess or try and work it out or wait until club accounts are published this one it was out there you know so quite early doors it was quite transparent and it's clear that Everton hatched a very very good deal Marcel Brand's clearly very influential in this but equally you know so I've mentioned this before Bill Kenwright is still very heavily involved in Emerson transfers and he's had to uh, be Hatching deals when the club was financially stretched and the club had no money, so he's used to driving a hard bargain. And uh, I think the fact that you know, so such a good deal uh, was hatched in this instance, don't underestimate uh, the part he's played in this as well as Marcel Brands. Was there ever a time, Wheelow, when obviously <coughs> Spurs, West Ham were said to be interested? Was there ever a time when you were worried about Andre Gomez signing, or was you always quite sure that he, he would return home? Never with West Ham, because why would you go to West Ham Football Club when Everton are there? Tottenham, not a bigger club than Everton, but the fact that they've just been in the Champions League and the, it clearly looks like they're going to give Pochettino the money he deserves to spend. And as, as a footballer, as, as good as time as he's had at Everton last season, why wouldn't you be interested in what Tottenham have got to say given, given their new stadium and given the squad they've got? But as the weeks kind of passed by, I got more and more confidence. And it, it, probably the most exciting moment for me was not last night when he actually got unveiled. It was actually when Dave, you did the story that was 22 million because it just, it, it, it just, it, it, we, not often, as you said, Dave, we don't often get the fees so early or even at all these days. And it kind of like, 
just underline like how much he must have wanted this to make this move as well because it's still fairly early. I know we're all desperate for transfer news, but we're not even out of June yet. Uh, but it, it's clearly one he wants to make as well. And I think that was was kind of like underline what he actually had to say last night. He seems to get the club as well, doesn't he? You know, he, he buys into it that, yeah, it's a big football club, a massive football club, but he's also a community club at its heart. And he seems to really enjoy that. Uh, and it just ticks all the boxes. I think it's a, it's a fantastic sign the fee is incredible in today's market I know we're going to be talking later about the fees that other players are going for at the moment but this is a, a player that Barcelona put a massive release clause in his contract for and I know it's standard practice in Spain but you know was one of the clauses that he you know in, in case he actually was you know uh, recommended for the Ballon d'Or like it's, it's incredible and I think he really is of that level you know I really do think he's a top class operator and I can't wait to see him permanently at Everton I think, I think you, you're spot on it does hark back to just how important you know kind of player power sort of is in this situation because I think it's been interesting to see what kind of situation Barcelona have been in like they need to get players out for their club accounts there, which close on June 30th I believe they, they are so they wanted to get as many as these you know sort of players who were surplus to requirements at the Camp Nou out of the door for as much money as possible. And if, you know, other reporters are to be believed, then West Ham are actually offered more money than Everton. And <laughs> Everton are the ones who've come out at, at the end of it with the player. So it, it must just show to you that Gomez must have just said to them from a, a fairly early stage, he's just like, well, I'm going to Everton and nowhere else. And, you know, that does really make you feel good. I think Gomez just went, I'm a toffee lad. <laughs> 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 is it obviously it was something Andre mentioned in that social media video we released Dave that you mentioned but do you think it's also kind of key to point out that the work Everton were doing off the pitch as much as the work Marcel and, and Marco and, and Bill and, and Denise are, are, are putting in kind of onto it as well is just as important you know Andre really got kind of caught up in the in the community side and there was the hugathon and, and, and that looks to have made a big impression on him to say you know, oh, you know and, and you, you look at it we still finished eighth we haven't got any European football to offer but you know we were his first choice this is where he wants to come back and, and this is where he's he's calling home 100% yeah you, you can't underestimate uh, the importance of that I mean footballers nowadays um, are, are a protected species you know so it's not like 20, 30 years ago where you'd see them wandering around the shops, you know, you see them in local restaurants and pubs, you know, so they earn so much money now uh, that they are treated like, you know, so not minor celebrities, like significant celebrities. They live behind, you know, sort of gated mansions and uh, you very rarely get the opportunity to interact with supporters uh, the way, you know, uh, they used to, you know, not in the fairly recent past. So events like Everton organised the, the community initiatives, like you say, the hugathon, you know, so leaping off the bus to buy some, you know, sort of cold kid, a new coat. Um, they do make an impact, you know, so it gives the player the opportunity to mix with supporters and just realise, you know, how popular he is. You know, so, you know, you know what Evertonians are like, you know, they, they call a spade a spade, you know, so they don't suffer fools at all. If they think you're hopeless, they'll tell you <laughs> to your face. Uh, if they like you equally, they'll tell you to your face what they think of you. And so I think... That, I think he's got that, you know, sort of uh, reaction from supporters firsthand on a number of occasions at these initiatives that the club have involved him in. And that just gives him a sense of belonging. And if you think of the experience he had in Barcelona, as Adam says, you know, he described it as, you know, sort of a living hell at times, you know, sort of a nightmare. He's gone from that to an environment where he's clearly 
liked. He's clearly very, very popular. Um, he's got two very, very clever individuals in Marco Silva and Marcel Brands who are very straight talking. I mean, Leighton Baines, underline that, uh, when he signed his new deal, he said he was influenced heavily by the conversations he had with Marcel and Marco and the direction that they see the club, you know, sort of going in. So these are all factors that, you know, sort of all contribute to a player thinking, well, yeah, I'm comfortable here. You know, so why would I want to try and go somewhere new where, you know, it might take time to win the fans over again you know so he's already done it at Everton he knows he's popular he knows you know so he's appreciated so yeah that, that played a huge part I think in him making that decision in the end how, how big a part do you think reading your player ratings over the season played Everton <laughs> <laughs> the I always device player ratings I would hope the biggest part yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hope that's the main reason he's decided to stay if, if I'm completely honest I think I might have gave him a 6 once against Lincoln in the FA Cup so hopefully what an absolute disgrace. I know he might have blocked me on Twitter. You'll, you'll never Maybe. take you follow my main accounts. Again. We didn't follow him back, you know, until the other day, did we? Really, Andre yeah. Gomez. So yeah. Andre Gomez follows the echo. There yeah. we go. They're back. Yeah, he's a fan. Obviously, we can <laughs> we can put Yeddy Mina and Bernard into the into the same category, Adam, but how important is it for Andre to come back, have a full pre-season, get to know a little bit more about, you know, the, the team around him and Marco Silva's style and... and do you think he can come out firing on all cylinders on that opening day this season? Yeah, I think it's huge, to be honest. I think, uh, you know, it's quite easy to forget, you know, like after, you know, the kind of brilliant breakout season he had for us, you know, it's quite easy to forget that he missed the first couple of months uh, yeah. due to that hamstring injury that he had when he joined. Palace think, was Palace's yeah, debut? Palace was his debut. And it was, I remember being fairly surprised that he was starting that yeah. game when that yeah. when that time came around. But, you know, he, he didn't show any signs of rust. Uh, but I think he did start to show those sort of weary signs, you know, obviously when we came to that festive period. And I think, you know, the fact that he can have a full pre-season behind him now will hopefully eradicate those sort of fears. You know, it looked like he was ready for the physicality of the Premier League. It was just, you know, those fitness levels, you know, quite understandably weren't there. And I think, you know, f- for the main part of pre-season, I think we should be looking at getting his fitness levels up more than anything. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the rest, like gelling with the rest of the squad, I think that's the benefit of, you know, him having that loan spell with us. You know, he's he's already integrated with the squad. He already knows how things sort of work at Everton. Obviously, Marco Silva and Marcel Brands are going to be working hard to try and bring in quality players to try and enhance the squad. But I think the kind of system that we were seeing from Silva throughout those latter stages of the season in particular uh, last year, I think that's going to be the main system anyway and Gomez seemed quite comfortable in that so uh, I don't think that's going to change all that much but you know I think we saw for the squad as a whole how well adjusted they were to you know after that 17 day break that we had in February you know they seemed to it, that was almost like a second pre-season uh, halfway through the campaign and I think for the squad as a whole not just for Gomez uh, this kind of pre-season will hopefully be able to have that same sort of effect when we're going into that first game of the season. Is that the nice thing about the deal as well, Paul, that, you know, Everton fans, I think, generally agree, and, and Andre would probably agree himself that we've signed a player who generally can kick on again, can't he? You know, it's not like he's been an absolute world beater and there's a little bit of pressure to keep those stands up. He's he's adapted well and he, he's done well, but watching him, and as Dave said, he's that good, he's that classy. I certainly can't remember seeing a, a, a complete... 
I mean, obviously, you and Dave might have, but I've never seen a complete midfielder play like that for Everton before. But there's definitely that next gear he can he can kick on to, isn't it? Well, probably one of the biggest compliments I could pay him uh, in terms of a loan impact is it, it reminds me of Arteta when mm. he came in. You know, you could tell this was a real footballer straight away. And I totally agree with what Adam said. There's absolutely no reason why he can't kick on next season. I think that drop off he had between probably the derby wasn't it until like March kind of time the whole team suffered a drop off that was one thing and the other thing he just looks a bit knackered because yeah. you know considering we were out of the cup competitions in both quite early we played a ridiculous amount of games didn't we in a, in a short space of time well from October um, through till like mid to late January I think it was maybe the Millwall game was the first time he was dropped from the start yeah. of 11 yeah. from, from mid-October after coming back from an injury he, yeah. he just looked shot I don't think yeah. it was ever a case of he was, oh, he, the, the pace of English football was catching up with him I think it's just given the fact that he had that injury and given the fact that he had a, a disrupted pre-season and the fact that he hadn't played much for Barcelona that was the reason what, what caught up with him in, in terms of like physicality that's one of the most impressive aspects for, for me uh, about him you know we know he's a, a brilliant footballer but I just my favourite performance bar none for, for Everton was against Arsenal because he just absolutely dominated their midfield that day I think it was like the young lad wasn't it Gwen Doozy and mm. then I think they might have El Nanny in there yeah. and I just came away thinking God, Arsenal would absolutely love a player like that and he absolutely bullied them not in the in the way of going around kicking people but he was mm. just bigger and stronger he'd take the ball away and then and move move forward I, I just think it's it was an absolute no-brainer to, to get him back and he, there was absolutely no reason why next season we won't even see an even better Andre Gomez and personally I love that West Ham away display I think that was when, like, that was when we really saw. I know he didn't score in that game, but that was when I really saw, you know, what kind of attack and threat he could have. And, you know, he was just, he was cutting through their midfield like a knife through butter. Genuinely, he was, he just looked absolutely unstoppable that day. So if we can, you know, see more performances like that next season, I think, you know, the goals and assists are only just going to naturally follow that, really. Favourite Andre Gomez performance, Pro? Um, I know what he's going to say. No, no, mine was definitely Liverpool. The only reason why not is because of how it ended, but I generally remember watching that game and just being like, yeah. oh my God. Best midfield on the this, pitch, this wasn't this he? Lad, yeah, and, and this is a Liverpool team who, you've still got to say, they were, I think, unbeaten at that point, top of the league. And he... I, I, I generally don't remember Liverpool midfielder getting on the but he was just unbelievable he was he was an absolute general that day if you, I, I think, was just, if, I think was saying, if he scores that header well I, I've watched it again only a couple of days ago I don't know why just, the full game no no just, just that <laughs> incident yeah. just, just like, just like <laughs> no no I think I think, uh, I think a Reds fan put it up on Twitter and said that Joe Gomez goal line clearance and you know sort of highlighting you know sort of how important that was you know sort of in the grand scheme of things and I watched it again and I'm just thinking how on earth did oh. Alisson actually stop that? It was too good a header. If he'd have misheaded it, if he'd had like a trip in the bit and it'd have come off a corner, it'd have gone in straight away. But because it was a, a straightforward header, uh, you know, somehow Alisson managed to block him. But and, so that wasn't a mistake in that game, you know, so that was just unfortunate. And he did, yeah, that was probably a standout performance for me. And just because, you know, when I was a kid, Bob Latchford was my childhood hero, adored the man, still do. And he had that beard. As does Gomez. It's the beard. It's the Everton beard, I think. <laughs> performance of the season, Gomez's beard. Can we, can we get Thrifty Beard in the title of this podcast? What on earth is that? <laughs> Children who are listening, including Adam and Sam. Thrifty Bit was pre-decimalisation and it was a small coin that was uh, worth thrippence and it had lots of, uh, I think it was a hexagon. So, what, 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 like, 
what could you get for a slippery bit there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mars bar, Mars bar is stripping sense. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Spot on. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'll, I'll come to you next then. What next? For Evan, we've got Andre Gomez in, in the bag. We've got, what, a week before they go back to pre-season training mm-hmm. on the 1st of July. What, in terms, purely in terms of transfers, would you like to see happening in this next week? Well, I think you've got to be... Looking, you've got to be looking towards Zuma, haven't you? You know, he's the one that Marco Silva was making a lot of claims about towards the end of last season, uh, alongside Gomez, of course, you know. And you can see why, to be honest, I think... He arguably pre- like performed as well as, if not better than Gomez over the, the course of his time at Goodison Park. I'd say probably over the course of the season, he was one of our most consistent players. Can't really think of a poor performance that he put in. If I'm honest, like, especially towards the end of the season, he was an absolutely crucial member of the squad. So you can see why Marco Silva wants him. And uh, fingers crossed with Chelsea looking like they're sorting out their managerial situation now that might move things on a little bit because you can understand why uh, Chelsea have been a bit hesitant to really discuss uh, in depth anybody's future and, you know apart from Hazard who you know the kind of player it's that kind of player power that I've been talking about again you know you can't you can't stop Eden Hazard wanting to go to Real Madrid if you know that's what he really wants but with Zuma it's a little bit different you know uh, when he first joined Everton he made no secret to the fact that he wanted to go back to Chelsea and try and prove himself but by the time it got to April it seemed that his tune had changed a little bit and he was starting to say oh well I'll, next season I'll be playing where I'm going to get minutes whether that's here like when he, he was referencing Everton then whether that's here or somewhere else I don't know so uh, you know if let, let's say Frank Lampard is given the job by Chelsea let's say Frank Lampard comes in and he says oh well Louise and Rudiger are going to be my starting centre-back pair and well then you, that's when you've got, you're hopefully going to see the player power of Zuma come in and go well I want to be starting matches I'm going to be starting matches at Everton if they come in with a bid I'm going to I'm going to go off there and you know you're hoping that Everton are really in tune with this sort of situation and you know hopefully with Chelsea sorting out them managerial situation now we'll just get a straight answer like whether whether he's coming or whether he's not just got a straight answer because you, you, you're getting if you're not getting Zuma in you need to be looking at other targets at this point because we're not going to have Yeri Mina for a little while. He's still in the Copper America, so we're not going to have him for a certain portion of pre-season. Uh, Michael Keane was on Nations League due to with England, so it's likely that he's going to be uh, given a li- little bit of a staggered return to pre-season. So Mason Holgate's going to be the only first-choice centre-back at Everton You know when we're, p- when we're joining a... Uh, well... <laughs> You're making eyebrows at me. Carry your bangish shots. Matty Pennington will be, will presumably be, be involved in that. It's a chance. It's a chance. <laughs> but yeah, you, you're going to be wanting, you know, that first team option coming in and you know getting integrated as soon as possible. And if it's not going to be Zuma, then you need to get it in as quickly as possible because you know he's not like he's going to have to. As you said before, he's going to have to try and get integrated with the squad, with Silver's system, etc., etc. So, hopefully, we can get this situation resolved one way or another. Prenway, I, I said on the Alan Myers podcast. If anyone hasn't listened to that yet, please check out the Iron Alan Myers Evan podcast. Doing so well, Alan Myers Evan podcast, also on Acast. Um, I was on this podcast this week and I kind of said that I have my reservations about the Zuma deal purely because too many dominoes 
have yeah, kind yeah. of got to fall in the right direction. But what are your thoughts? Are you, are you confident of, of Kertzuma being an Evertonian by the end of August? Uh, no, I, I heard that and I understand, you know, so why you said what you did, because no, it, there are a lot more factors that come into play in this one. I mean, we've argued in these podcasts before about, you know, why I thought Gomez was more of a priority than Zuma. Obviously, Gomez is in the bag now, so, you know, Zuma becomes the priority. And I like him a lot as a centre-half. Um, and there's all the plus points in this, you know, so he knows the squad, he knows the system, he's comfortable, you know, so... And he improved as the season went on. Um, I don't think he was, like, massively um, impressive at the stars. I was just trying to, you know, sort of Google. I remember an awful mix-up when I found it. it was the Tottenham game. And you can probably blame Pickford for that as much as Zuma. Uh, but, you know, from that moment on, he just got better and better and better. And by the end of the season, you know, so he was an absolute colossus, you know, yeah. so he looked like, you know, so... You know, he's you know the the primary centre half that you know everybody else is going to have to battle to uh, to partner. Um, but to get that in permanently, uh, there's a number of factors. I mean, just like you mentioned, the transfer ban at Chelsea. You know, Frank Lampard. Who knows? You know, so whether he fancies him as a player. Uh, and we'd also I've, I also argued previously. I do think centre half is a, an area of the transfer market where you can buy possible replacements. I just thought that, you know, a creative, you know, central midfielder with experience in the Premier League is more difficult to nail down than a centre-half. And that's not to demean centre-half as a position because it is, like, a very, very important part of the squad. And Zuma was very, very good by the end of last season. But I just think there are also options there. But, yeah, I agree totally, you know, with what the boys saying that, you know, so if it's not going to happen, we need to know that very, very quickly. We can't afford to be leaving it until the last minute. We've been in that boat before. We know exactly what happened with Ronald Koeman in his pursuit of Olivier Giroud. Yeah. It didn't happen. We saw what happened at that. We can't really afford to have that same situation happening again at the other end of the pitch. If it's not going to happen, move on quickly. Paul, with, with Adam Wambasaka being said to, you know, be, be completing a £50 million move to Manchester United and, and you know, I think I've seen someone saying before that his wages are going to go from £10,000 a week to £80,000. It's around the same as what you're on here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I came over from Chester, I asked that much, yeah. What, what kind of price tag do you think? What, what would you be comfortable with Everton paying for Kertuma? Well, this is this is my worry. This is a five-year this, contract. This, this is the kind of couple of concerns. I'm, I'm less concerned about the fact that they've got a new manager coming in because... I think Frank Lampard will have had lines into Chelsea even though he's been manager of Derby for the last year. Sounds like Jody Morris is going back there who had played a big part in their academy setup, and I think they had one of the young lads on loan at Derby last year and they had another one who was mm-hmm. the under-21s captain. So if they if they feel like they will know if they've got players they can bring into that setup, which may help us with, with Zuma. But as Dave rightly points out, just a transfer ban, do they need more money if they can't actually spend it? Yeah. But if they, if they think, well, we've got players... Uh, who can you know cover for like Louise and Rudiger as you mentioned? They could they could ask 40, 50, 60 million because there is this premium now with English English clubs, isn't there? You know, yeah. and it's it's not right. Wan Bissaka is clearly a very good player, but is he a patch on say the lad who's playing for Liverpool across the way at Trent Alexander Arnold? Not at all. You know, he's he's a very clearly a very good defender, but still unsure about what he's like as an attacking fullback. I, my concern is if Chelsea could easily turn around and go, well, we want 50 for Zuma. And in today's market, that's probably not 
scandalous, to be honest. I don't get me wrong, <laughs> trying to be sensible. Is he worth that? Probably not. But in today's market, yeah, he probably is. If, if Van Bissaka's going for 45-50, why wouldn't Zuma? France international, proven Premier League performer. And then... 40 the, years left on his contract. Yeah, 40, they've got the protection. There's the transfer ban. And that that's that what concerns me more about than anything because I don't know how much Everton have got to spend this summer. There's obviously the, the big issue of, of shifting on some of the dead wood or some of the players who are on big wages. Do we go all in on Zuma when you know there's still a couple of other positions that probably need strengthening as well? Well, I think that's where that again I know I've mentioned it a lot this podcast, but I think that's where that player power comes into it because if you know if like the new Chelsea manager whoever it is does come in and say, look, Keith, I can't, I can't promise you you'll be starting every week, but you know Marco Silva is saying to him, look, you will be starting every week for me. You know if you Zuma, then do you try and force through a move? And if you Chelsea and you've got players in that position, why would you why would you deny that move when you can get a decent amount of money for them? You're risking then be like getting a reduced amount when your bands when your bands are over. Like obviously they can charge a sort of premium, but like a reasonable premium in my in my sort of head. Like if if Zuma wants this move, then I can't see a way that it wouldn't happen. But it's <sighs> It's going to be an intriguing situation. It is. I mean, what Paul said then, like, totally makes sense about, you know, so players have got to move on. I mean, driving in this morning, I heard Yannick Bolassi being interviewed uh, ahead of um, Egypt's game against Congo. And he was almost talking like a player who expects to come back to Everton. Um, he was saying that, you know, he's had his fitness problems. Uh, that's why he didn't, you know, sort of, flourish as much as he thought at Aston Villa but his time at Anderlecht meant that he could get you know sort of the absolute sharpness back and he believes he is you know sort of ready to go again and you almost got the impression as a player who thinks he can still come back to Everton and do a job now whether he features in uh, the plans of uh, Marco Silva I'm not so sure uh, but that's a player who's on big wages who's you know cost a decent transfer fee and just one of at least half a dozen that Everton might be looking to try and move on just to try and free up money in the transfer market because if Zuma is going to command a 40 or 50 million transfer fee, at least three or four of those players have got to move on. Mm. 50 million then, Dave? Would you, would you pay that for Kurt? Oh, um, I wouldn't know. Yeah, no. so, and I, I just think it, it's overpriced. You know, this is a football club that's trying to drive, you know, so hard bargains in the transfer market and trying to do good business and not be held to ransom. And I think they would be held to ransom in this instance. Um, it, it's the English market. It's mad. Someone threw something in the other day about uh, the Englishman who cost the most money in the transfer market still is Kyle Walker. It was like oh, 50 yeah. million quid. You know, so for a fullback, as good as he is, but, you know, 50 million quid, um, you know, Manchester City have been, you know, so had off there, I'm afraid. You know, it's just the way the transfer market is. Um, and I just don't think Everton are a club that is prepared uh, to, you know, be caught with the trousers down again. I just don't think that they would, they would pay that much money uh, for a centre-half. I, I could be wrong. They could, you know, so prove us all wrong. And, you know, so Farhad Mashiri might decide, no, I want him badly enough. I just don't see it. I think if Everton are going to sign him, I think it's going to have to be a realistic transfer fee. Mm-hmm. Looking at the current Everton squad before we finish, then Adam, with the signing of and- Andre Gomez, just quickly open it out to you and-, and the rest of the table then. Do you expect Morgan Schneiderlin to be an Everton player come the end of the transfer window? It, it is really interesting, isn't it? And I think, you know, in a lot of respects, it 
does depend almost on Idris Guy's future. You know, yeah. you know, we still don't know whether PSG are going to reignite their interest or not. Maybe, you know, Man United were linked uh, a couple of months ago. That seems to have gone a bit quiet again now. I think they've like, been linked with every player currently playing well, yeah, professional exactly. football. <laughs> and obviously, I hope Idris Guy stays. But I, I'm of the belief that I. Morgan Schneiderlin should really stay as well. I Would think. you like him to stay? Probably quite, more pertinent yeah, question. I quite like him to stay. I think he's a different option in that sort of defensive midfield role. I think he's a better ball player, obviously, than Idris Agai. I think he sits back a bit, that little bit further deeper. I think he's still uh, really adept at interceptions and tackles. Like Probably not as good as Guy in that sort of situation. But, you know, in, in different games, he's certainly proven that he can be a solid option for Silva. You know, he's stood in when Andre Gomez picked up that uh, suspension towards the end of last season and you know he, he kept Gomez out the side when he was available again so that shows how much Marco Silva quite clearly rates him so I still think he's a decent option to have that being said if a, if a good enough offer comes in yeah. for a player who's going to be who will be spending most of his time on the bench if you know if a dresser guy does stay like let's say then uh, yeah I, th- I think if, if, a, if an offer of a round 10 million or so came in I think you'd find that that hard to turn down if I'm honest I'd, I'd, I'd drive him down there for 10 million quid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he's 20 odd for him no he's 30 in November mm-hmm. he's a player whose form has fluctuated dramatically time, during his time at Everton and maybe I'm being a little bit you know so harsh here but to me he seems to turn it on when it suits him you know so towards the end of the season you yeah. know maybe he was was he playing for a move? I don't know. Was he trying to attract attention elsewhere? No, he played um, quite well at the start of the season. To uh, be fair. If, yeah, yeah, but like I say, fluctuations. You know, then he goes missing. Sometimes. He seemingly plays well when the team's playing well, and when the team isn't, he doesn't play well. And that's not what you want from a holding midfielder. You know, he's, he's got quality, absolutely. You know, um, that's why Manchester United signed him. You know, so you know they, they tend not to take punts on. You know, so might be players. You know, so he clearly can be a very, very good player. Yeah. But I just want more consistency, and I've not seen it often enough. And so he's not going to rediscover consistency at 30 there are attitude issues you know so I'm not going to go round the that story all over again about the training ground <laughs> but that still resonates a little bit and so no you know so I think if an offer comes in I'd accept it Paul I'd team, prob- team Prentice Team Jones I, I'm Team Prentice team No Prentice. I'm probably not as strong <laughs> on him like, because as I, I agree with Adam the, the guy future is an interesting one isn't it because if he was to move on all of a sudden we look very short in there Tom Davis has obviously got potential but I still don't think he's a, a nailed on starter you imagine James McCarthy will move on then beyond mm-hmm. that you're, you're struggling for options and you'd want at least one more in there but the triumphant return of <laughs> Mohamed Bessie yeah <laughs> <laughs> everyone can rule that one out as well yeah. but is, is that <laughs> That you just forget play for Everton, isn't it? I haven't really thought yeah. of Bessard. We were speaking about Tanshine the house tonight, weren't we? Cujo Martinez, yeah. even Sandro Ramirez. Like, it just yeah. boggles the mind. But that's the thing they that's, play for Everton. That's, that's, that's the point. Well. In, in a dream yeah. world, you get rid of all those players and, and Morales, and you get a nice free for them, and then you can just go for Robert towards Zuma. But realistically, let's face it, most of those players we just mentioned there will be going out on loan at best, and Everton will probably be having to stump up a fair bit of their yeah. weekly wage as well. Whereas Snydlin, I agree. Uh, with both you guys I still think there's a good enough player in there you won't get the money back for him given his age and given the wages he's on but I think a club would take a chance on him I think someone would pay £10 million for him I think they'd probably get a good player but as as you were saying there Sam maybe that's why he failed at United and maybe that's why he's not really cut the you know cut the mustard at Everton as well maybe he's just not a big enough player you know because those kind of clubs you can't 
go hiding for three or four months of a season, can you? Maybe you, you can get away with that at Southampton, but I think he's been at two massive football clubs now, and, and in both occasions, I don't think he's he's done enough. So if we we got a good offer for him, that's all. As much as as incumbents, Preno, you know, when you do think about it like that, we've all, I think you can make a team of a kind of outcasts and young lads, couldn't they? Yeah. Not. You know, do you think it's even possible in, in, in the current kind of financial landscape? You can't move everyone on in one. In, obviously, in a, it's not really as football manager, FIFA kind of thing. It, you know, teams won't pay seventy thousand a week to Yannick. You know, people like Balassi and Yasandros might be thinking, get another loan, keep me hundred grand a week for for the rest of my contract. And, and I mean, you, you can't totally blame them, can you? No, absolutely not. I mean, Everton need like a, a fire sale at the moment uh, to get rid of a number of these players, and it's not yeah. going to happen because of the wages yeah. um, you know most of those players we've mentioned are on six figures plus um, and that just can't be matched you know so by other than you know, you know decent Premier League teams you know so because of the, the, the television money you know so English clubs are awash with money it's why so many foreign players want to come and play here and why you know so only the really big clubs you know so in Spain you know so actually can attract you know the, the top top players English clubs can. It's why they come here. And when they're not successful, they prove so difficult to move on. Um, it's why those players are on loan and will continue to be on loan. I mean, Sanjo Ramirez is not going to go anywhere because, you know, yeah. Everson only paid five and £5.3 million, pounds, I think, his transfer fee because his wages were massive. And that was a punt worth taking because he had such a good season in La Liga. And everyone thought, you know, yeah. if you could, you know, sort of transfer that form to the Premier League, great, it's a bargain. Unfortunately, he couldn't. You know, the physicality did look like it was beyond him. And he's one of those players that you think is going to be with Everson until towards the end of his contract. And there are a number that fit that bill. And it's it's just a fact of modern football life, and it means that the guys that actually do the negotiating uh, at the Everton transfers have got a very very busy summer ahead. Well, Dave, that feels like a quite nice point to end on. Thank you very much for joining, Dave, Adam, Paul. Please rate, review, and listen to the podcast on Spotify, Acast, and you can also follow the Royal Blue Podcast Group on Facebook to give us all your thoughts. We'll be back later on the week for another edition of your Royal Blue Podcast. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.